In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a $100 million real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of underdog. Today, I have an awesome guest here with me, which I'm so pumped to introduce to all of you, Jeremy Newsome. Jeremy, how are you today? Pamela, I'm thrilled. I feel sensational. I am massively excited to be a part of this. I've been looking forward to this. I'm excited. You are amazing. I'm just so honored to have you here, Jeremy, because you are just like such an impactful person, not, you know, just as an individual, you're just amazing. And then in your businesses, the way that you're impacting people and transforming lives is just unreal. I don't know what else to say. It's just unreal. So I'm so pumped to talk about you, your story, what you're up to in the world now. And just thank you so, so much for being here. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. I love pouring into your tribe. And I know that there are enthusiasts, energetic people that love to pour into the world. And that's what you and I are going to be doing together for the rest of our lives with all the business, all the things we'll be accomplishing together. So this is a perfect opportunity experience and to co-create. Amen, Jeremy. Thank you so much. And, you know, I always start off with the most loaded question possible. So sorry to throw this at you. Curveball. So the first question, (laughs) but what inspired you (laughs) on your journey to where you are today? Ironically enough, it was a movie, Forrest Gump. I love movies. I, I'm one of those random entrepreneurs that carve out time to like watch a movie with family. Uh, I just love movies. They really speak to me and they embrace me. And so I'll spend a lot of time and money just enjoying movies. But in 1994, the blockbuster film, do people still say blockbuster films? Forrest Gump came out and I watched it with my dad and older brother. And about 80% of the way through the movie, Forrest Gump says that Lieutenant Dan invested in a fruit company and they no longer had to worry about money anymore. So I asked my dad, what is investing and what is the fruit company? Mm. And he told me about Apple and he told me about the stock market. And I said, we need to do that. We need to do it because the thing that a lot of people forget in that scene, right after that scene, Forrest Gump builds hospitals, schools, churches. He's really pouring into the community. He's using his money to be a force for good, to amplify his heart. And that just resonated with me. I was like, man, I'm so poor. Financially, I had an amazing childhood, very, very eccentric childhood, but we just were financially not well off. And I thought it'd be so cool not to worry about money anymore. So I begged my dad to invest in Apple. And he said, son, bring me money. Like you bring me money, I'll match it dollar for dollar and we'll invest in Apple. And so I caught his bluff. I went and picked blackberries from the bush and sold them door to door in the summer of 1994. Sounds like a Brian Adams song. And I sold him for 1500 bucks and I brought my dad 1500 bucks. So we, we bought $3,000 with the Apple. Wow. In 1994. So you were picking yeah. blackberries so that you could sell them so that you could buy Apple stock. How old were you at this time? I was six. <laughs> six yeah. years old. Stop. No way. <laughs> yeah. Six years old hustling yeah. blackberries hustling it was i had a very high clothes rate for being honest because who can turn on a six-year-old with no shirt no shoes jean shorts and i was selling blackberries like 70 percent under market value i was selling them like a dollar a bag so i had a very high closing rate 
That's amazing. Do you remember what that closing rate was? (laughs) (laughs) If you, if I was, if you talked to me and you had a pulse, you you probably bought some blackberries. It was like 95%. I had a bunch of old ladies give me like 10, 20 bucks just because I was there. You know, they're like, you keep the blackberries. And they were just excited. That was like hustling. Yeah. And, but what happened is really that money, that investment transpired into a pretty significant sum of money relatively quickly, especially at a young age. And when we sold them, uh, it was in 2000 and I made $12,000 as a 12 year old. And so my dad gave me that money and I thought I was the richest human being on the planet earth. And ever since then, this is all I wanted to do. All I wanted to do was trade the stock market, figure out how I can help more people trade the stock market and demystify it for your average everyday person. Doesn't matter if they're six or 66, so they can get involved and they can see how their standards of living and their standards of belief and their standards of life and their standards of love can slowly change through the adaption of frequently investing in the markets. I love that. Do I even need to ask what you wanted to be when you grew up? Because I feel like you (laughs) kind of knew. (laughs) That was it. Yeah. Well, like all all young kids, though, I mean, I had a bunch of different random things. Like I wanted to be a history teacher at one point until I asked my history teacher how much they made. And, you know, he was like, dude, we don't make any money. So don't don't do what I do. So (laughs) that was a. Ever since, yeah, I pretty much knew that this was what I was going to do. And there was a lot of random things that led up to that. I mean, I was every job that you can think of. I worked at a call center. I worked at a waiter. Uh, I pressure washed roofs. I worked at dry cleaning. I had four jobs at one point. I mean, I was doing everything that I could just to make money from a pretty young age. That's insane. What What really impresses me about you is the fact that you watched Forrest Gump and you, you know, you weren't doing the usual run force run like you're not like <laughs> quoting like these crazy you know what everybody quotes right you're there like watching what he's doing and you know like it really didn't hit me that that's what Forrest did until you just mentioned it because I was so ingrained in like the societal like you know they're of course paying attention to all different things that aren't important and here you are as a six-year-old embracing the fact of what Forrest is doing like that takes a special type of person to recognize thank you thank you yeah you should watch it again it's a there, there's, it's still a phenomenal film i mean even yeah. to this day it's so great yes no for sure but like you know you know when they say you have to watch movies several times to really understand yeah. like everything all the metaphors and everything like that and it just would have never it would have never crossed my mind you know like i remember him saying that but like it I don't know. Just when you said it, I'm like, I got to watch this again because that's so <laughs> profound. We well, want to know why, because like society yeah. thinks that money is a bad thing, right? They say, oh, it's the root of all evil. But when you like, even because I was a kid too, and this was my thing. I was like, I want to be mega rich one day and not just so I can have stupid things, but like, so that because with money comes power, with power comes respect, with respect, you can do a lot with right? Like you can transform the world with these three things, right? And the problem is a lot of people have utilized it for bad, but now more and more people are starting to use it for good, which is incredible. So it's like almost shifting the paradigm, which is super cool. Bingo. That's one of my main goals in life is to change the top 1% into the top 2% because I feel like that's a scalable rational reasonable goal but also i can look back in 30 years and i can read a newspaper and they'll complain in 30 years that the top two percent have all the wealth i can go well hey i think i can i can i helped make that impact i didn't i wasn't the only person obviously you're doing it as well 
with this podcast, all the real estate that you do, all the people that you impact, all the entrepreneurs that you connect with, you're doing as well. But I can at least be a part of it. And when that shift happens, I can go, awesome. That goal is a hit, beautiful. So that's one of my goals as well, is just to make that paradigm shift so that we can start changing the numbers. Because this is a number that you'll be very familiar with. You hear this all the time. Your listeners have heard this all the time. 95% of people lose money in the market. Mm. Well, there's a lot of nuances to that. Uh, number one, that means 5% of people make it, which is interesting. But other than that, 95% of people losing is a better ratio than like any other profession. I mean, so for example, if I said 95% of people will become professional NFL football players, I'd be way off. Like that's, wow, 95% of people won't make it as an NFL player. Like that's 5% will. No, it's not even close. I'm close to 5%, like 0.000001% of people or professional MLB players or NHL or literally any profession that makes millions and millions of dollars a year. The math of that is so ridiculously tiny, but a lot of people just always hear, oh, 95% of people, 95% of people. I still don't even exactly know who those 95% of people are, where that statistic comes from, how long they've been involved in the market, or what that stat actually, like what it means. Because the people that I interact with, the people that actually make it are quite, it's quite a high number. It's probably like 75% of people who are actively involved in it make money over time. Mm. So again, I don't really know where that statistic comes from, but it, yeah, you're absolutely right. There's so many weird thoughts and idioms and paradigms and beliefs that we have as humans about money that are just entirely massively incorrect. Pamela, it took me 25 years to figure out the term money. Money doesn't grow on trees is not only abhorrently incorrect, yes. but it's also the literal opposite of what I did to make millions. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like I started picking a thing off of a bush, AKA tree and turn it into money. So no, bro, like money literally grows on trees. And not only does that happen, but trees are actually money because you have most currencies paper. So it's just the most random thing of all times. Like this belief is so crazy wrong. What other beliefs are wrong? And there, it turns out there's a lot of them. There's a lot of self-limiting beliefs about money out there. Like that yeah. there's not enough or, or, you know, like even just people in business and competition that they're like, you know, when somebody comes out and they're successful and they're just like, you know, fighting with each other, it's like, no, there's a, there's abundance for everybody. And it took me a long time too. I mean, cause like when I grew up, we grew up like we were, we were on, uh, we were on welfare when we first came to the U S cause my parents are like nothing, you know? So it's like, we were on welfare for a while until we got on our feet and then, you know, moved forward. But it's like, you know, I think, I think when you come from a place of, of nothing, you, you usually get that, you know, you get more of of what you say, because that's what you attract. Right. But when you're in that, you know, it's almost like, what is it? Uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs where they yep. talk about, you know, like at that point, you know, we were in survival mode. Now, as we start to step up the ladder, we can shift up, which is super interesting, but these self-limiting beliefs in society. Yeah, exactly what you said. Money doesn't grow on trees. Oh, this is not possible. And that's like my big thing is like, I want to help people break through their underdog challenge. Everybody has one in their life. Everybody, everybody, it doesn't matter, no matter what the industry, where you're from, your location, how old you are, none of that. Those self-limiting beliefs will always pull, like, they'll like pull you right back, right back. Yeah. What do you think your biggest one to overcome was? My biggest one to overcome? And that's a crazy question, but like, it was like, am I worthy of this? <laughs> you know, it's a huge yep. one. And like being vulnerable about it. You know, yeah. 
Yeah. Like, is, is this, you know, am I really meant for all this? Am I, you know, am I meant to live like a free and happy and open life? It's like almost like asking that permission, which is like crazy to think about when, when you really dig deep, it's like, why do I think about these self-limiting beliefs? And you get to the core of it and you're kind of like, whoa, this is so deeply entrenched in your beliefs. Yeah. It's crazy. It's absolutely wild. And that's one of those aspects where people have to sit down and do that introspection to even number one, know that those beliefs exist. Number two, to figure out what they are. Yeah. But what you did is what a lot of people don't do is once you figure out, oh, I have this limiting belief, then you still have to change it. You know, like you, you still got to make the tweaks. What like it's either physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, you have to do something to change that belief somewhere. You know, like I, I've met, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that have that belief that, oh, I'm not a good runner. Mm. Well, I used to tell myself that all the time. I was like, I'm not a good runner. I can't run. But I started entering competitions and figuring out that, yeah, I'm not a good runner. But if you do it long enough, your body says, no, you're at least not awful. <laughs> and then like biochemically, things start to change and you can mentally shift yourself to believe I'm actually a great runner. And once you can start changing any mental belief over a big enough period of time, over a long enough span of years or months, mm -hmm. those changes can become physical. And no one believes me when I say that, or very, very few people do. It's like, I'm telling you guys, it works with anything, anything. Right. Which is so amazing what the mind can do and what it's capable of, especially when you become consciously aware of it, right? Like it's one thing when you're not aware that there's, right. then it becomes this whole thing. When you wake up, it's like, whoa, you know? And so, you know, throughout your Bam. journey, throughout your journey, Jeremy, you know, going from making all that money in the Apple stock, like, and you mentioned, you know, through your jobs, how did you sort of get back into the trading world? Killer question. I initially went to school at University of Florida for a finance degree, Go Gators. And I was very happy that I went there. I think it was a great experience, but I didn't learn anything about the stock market. That's what I was hoping I would, but it's not University of Florida's fault, just college in general doesn't teach you day trading or investing or options or cryptocurrencies or Forex. Like it's just not taught anywhere in the world, realistically, uh, at least popularly. And I left college not knowing a lot about stocks. I connected with one of my bosses at work who I could tell. I went to one of his peer reviews that he had for me. He was a manager at the time. And I could see on his computer, he was looking at something that looked like the stock market. And I asked him, hey, man, what is that? He said, oh, yeah, that's stocks, a dabble. I said, my friend, give me whatever score you want for this review. I, all I want to know is about stocks. Like, that's my whole life. I want to learn this. Please tell me. And he did. He sat down for like an hour and explained some really, really basic concepts. And I learned them, immediately understood them, opened up my 401k because I had been contributing to my 401k at the time um, ever since I was 18. So at the time I was 20 and I had been contributing, you know, whatever, 10% of my paycheck every single week to my 401k. So I had like $9,000 in there. I learned how to do what's called a self-directed 401k, which sounds illegal or scary, but it's not. And I did my own self-directed 401k. I learned how to buy silver. Pamela, here's what I did. I went to Google <laughs> and I typed in which silver stocks to buy. And then I pressed enter. And the first one that came up is called First Majestic Silver. It's still around. Mm. Ticker symbol AG. It's just SEO optimized. So ticker symbol AG, still around to this day. I had $9,000 in my 401k. I bought a thousand shares of that company because it was trading at $9 a share, which is trading about $9 a share right now, ironically enough. And a month later, I sold those for $12, which means I made $3,000 in a month 
The problem with that math, Pamela, is that was more than I made at work at the time. And that was a game changer. Wow. $3,000 just from basically flipping stocks. I flip houses. You flip stocks. (laughs) That's exactly correct. Precisely. What? That's crazy. And so it didn't take you super long to figure out like, okay, this is my jam. Yeah, that was it. Once that happened, I I went, oh man, like I started calling everyone I could telling them about stocks. Like I was like, what are you you doing? Like I thought I was the greatest, smartest person in the world, just buying a bunch of silver. And you know, this was in early 2010. The store doesn't end great, but (laughs) I bought a bunch of silver at the exact high, like the highest. I actually have the unofficial Guinness World Book of Records for buying silver at its highest price ever. So I ended up losing a bunch of money. But you know, when you're 21, so this is when I was 21, that's the time to make stupid mistakes, I guess, is when you're in your early 20s. And I lost all of my dad's retirement money. So a little bit over $100,000 doing some really stupid stuff with silver. I lost a bunch of friends' money. I lost about a quarter million dollars when I was 21 because I was an idiot and didn't know what to do and didn't learn the right way. And so then after losing a bunch of money and not having that big of an income at the time, I started, I became obsessed and I threw myself into a study that, you know, Albert Einstein and Newton would be excited about. Like I was just hitting it hard, multiple, multiple, 15, 16 hours a day while working full time, while going to school full time, just going after it like a beast. So walk me through, I appreciate you sharing this so much because a lot of people don't talk about, I don't like to say failures, but I like to say lessons, you know, like when you lost that, right? Like nobody talks about stuff like this. Like, how did you navigate through that? Because I know there's entrepreneurs listening who are either experiencing it right now or have experienced it. And it's not the best feeling. Yes. Yeah. It's not the best feeling. I mean, your whole world comes down to what you really want. And at the time, oh man. So this is, yeah, 13, 14 years ago. I mean, I had such different beliefs and understandings of the world, obviously, than I do now. And that comes in time. But to really answer your question, what I did is what most people do is they spend their time trying to learn how to get it back because you either have two choices you give up or you don't that simple i tasted success because in order to lose a quarter million dollars then that means i had to make that much money too so i i saw money i was there were plenty of times where i would have hundred thousand dollar days up and down like things would happen in a very very fast period of time that i just was not prepared for and i just couldn't handle the pressure because i'd never done the work so I started doing the work and I started putting in the time. That's the thing. Any entrepreneur, you can figure out the solution to the problem that you have. There is an answer. There is. And that's kind of what led me to the money grows on trees concept is because the money is what most people, Pamela, think is their problem. Right. Most entrepreneurs, most business owners, most people go, I can't do this because I don't have the money. Okay, well, I was 22, an okay job, and a quarter million dollars in debt. How do you think I did it? It's like, you know, like I don't, I'm not taking eight dollars a day and like decreasing my expenses and making up a quarter million. It's like, no, dude, I'm going out and getting more money. You know, credit card loans, 401k advances, borrowing money from some really shitty people with Uzis and a paper bag. I was doing <laughs> literally anything. 
Like you, the money is there is what I'm trying to tell people. Like money is not the problem. You're asking a wrong question. Yeah. Right? The question you're asking is, I'm going to get more money. Not the question. That's the easiest answer of all. You need to be asking a totally different question. And that's what I started doing is I just started asking different questions because I, I realized the money is there if you really want it. Like if, if someone, if you're a parent listening to this and your child is in a life or death situation and you get to come up with a million dollars by Thursday to save their life, guess what? Not hard. I put myself in that exact same frame of reference where either I die or I get the money back and make my dad proud, make my family proud, make everyone proud. That's the only two choices I have, death or success. Mm. I put myself in that mindset and I do what I do best, which is just I work everyone on the planet Earth to figure out how to become the best in the world at that particular craft. That's amazing. That's amazing. So you started getting more money. <laughs> from paper bags yeah. as a paper bags and Uzi's. that's all i just when you said that i could just picture this whole scene like happening and you're just like yes i'm gonna make this happen <laughs> that was it, whatever you pictured probably happened and i would not let me go on record to say don't do that that's there is other <laughs> other avenues of money that safer and easier than that route <laughs> don't do that route. uh go get a bank loan or something <laughs> borrow money from a friend don't do that you're amazing, Jeremy. You're amazing. So, so with that, you just started trading and just started making that money back slowly and in, in time. Yeah, precisely. It was just a really, really slow, methodical. I'm kind of terrified. I'm kind of worried, but I can make it back. I knew I could make it back. It just, it was just one of those situations where I figured it would take time, and it did. It wasn't a fast process at all. Most people want it to be fast. You know, most entrepreneurs, business owners, we want it to be extremely quick, but it almost is never as fast as we want it to be. No. That's just human emotion. We want that instant gratification. We want that pleasure now. So I just had to realize that it wasn't going to be that quick. And I had to tell everyone and it's like, hey, this is going to probably take four or five years. And um, my dad, like I said, he was the number one money contributor to my failure when I was early 20s. Mm -hmm. And I had to get the money back to him because he also had a ticking clock that every all my family we were aware of because he had um, terminal colon cancer. And so that was another thing that I had to put my back against the wall. I was like, well, I got to get this done a little bit faster than most. I didn't have the privilege of luxury. So that's another, another pressure that just made me work at it a little bit harder and a little bit faster than most probably would. Right, right. And now all this, you were balancing a full-time job while you were doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So what's, what would be your best tips for, for an entrepreneur who's sort of doing their business, you know, their true passion and their true business as a side hustle like right now, how, how to balance that or how to even start that? That's a phenomenal question. I would say the best thing to do as an entrepreneur or business owner in that particular environment is probably raise your prices. You're most likely charging too little. Honestly, like you're probably charging too little for whatever you're doing is not enough. Most, most likely. Right. But after you do that, that'll help you increase your standards and your beliefs and your worthiness about receiving money and your openness about how much you deserve. And then number two is go find a giant group of people that already exist that need your product and provide them a bunch of value. So the most random example I can think of right now is I have a coaching client um, who's a day trader and also he's a business owner and he has a serving business and his biggest hurdle that was holding him back was time. 
And his biggest fear was if I remove myself from this particular position, then I don't, I'm not able to control the outcome of the business. So he was the, he was the bottleneck, which most entrepreneurs are. Most business owners are their own bottleneck. So you have to start figuring out how to replace pieces of you, pieces of the things that you do so that you can do four or five amazing things and the 900 other things you got to trust that someone else has the ability to do it and then pay them for their time or work out some type of deal and just, and make that leap. Like you gotta, you gotta make the leap at some point also. Right. Right. Amen. Amen to that. Cause that's the hardest thing. And then like, I just tell people like time management, you know, that's the yeah. thing you can do. Like Jeremy, how, how, what was it like bouncing, you know, time-wise, you know, what prioritizing, I'm sure, but any hacks that you had to like, kind of keep things flowing. Yeah. I'll, I'll go through my hacks now because <laughs> the hacks I had then were not healthy. AKA I cut everyone out of my life and didn't talk to anyone and had zero social life. So don't, don't do that. Um, <laughs> don't lock yourself in a dark room and just read books all day long. Um, so what I do now is presently, I, I think it's very, very important for people to know precisely what their time is worth. Mm. Now, I, I mean, like a, given that, give it an actual monetary figure, not how much you want to make, but how much it's worth. So do the calculation gross revenue last year divided by 365 divided by 24 that'll come up with your hourly unit of value mm. and then anything less than that hire it out always at that point you can afford it so if you know you're making like 16 dollars an hour and it takes you three hours to go from the store from your house to go shopping to do all the things to pick it up and come back and that would cost you uh 32 48 dollars if you can hire that out for less than 50 do it it's worth your time. And you get three hours back. That's mm-hmm. step number step number one. Almost no entrepreneur knows that number. Almost none. So do that. That's a big one. Um, number two, start thinking differently about time. Now, this is going to change a lot of people's perception about life, hopefully. But time is your, num- your most valuable asset. It does not speak English. It does not care about you. It does not know who you are. You are the only one that's concerned and stressed out about your time. Therefore, make it your friend. Tell yourself every day that time is abundant. It has no end in sight. It is copiously long, infinitely spaced out. You are the one stressed out about your deadlines. Time does not care about who you are. So tell yourself that there's always enough time to do everything in the world. And it doesn't have to be done today. It can be done tomorrow, next week, next month. Tip number three, schedule. A lot of people think everything has to be done next week and they start cramming and they get burnout. By the way, hello, I'm Jeremy. I'm a workaholic. I do that all the time and I strive not to, right? One of my biggest goals is to not do that. So I try my best to schedule time with my wife and family and I do a pretty good job of it. I can always do better, but that's one thing that far too people do is they just don't schedule far enough in advance. They schedule like the first two, three weeks. I know I'm going to do in August of next year on Thursday. So like schedule it really, really far out in advance, put it on the calendar, make it happen, go after it. The very popular Tony Robbins quote, right? Everyone underestimates what they can do in a year. Everyone overestimates what they can do in a day. So mm-hmm. just go slowly chip away at the elephant one bite at a time. I love it, Jeremy. I love it so much. 
And I, I appreciate those hacks. Those are, I was like literally like writing them down for myself too. I'm like, I need to, I was like, I, I need some Jeremy knowledge. I'm like, oh, write it down right now. I love Thank you. I love it. And so, you know, how was the transition of going full-time back full-time into your trading? Yeah, it wasn't too bad. It really is exciting when you do the thing that you really, really, really want to do, because I, I don't necessarily think it matters truthfully what I teach people. I do love the stock market, but my gift, I think to this world is taking complex things and making them simple. Mm. So it could be anything, you know? It could truly be anything. And it just so happens right now that my main focus is liquid assets. So mm. stocks, time, cryptocurrencies, for whatever, like whatever, whatever's liquid and very, very quick. That's what I help people with right now. But I think that transition, I loved it so much. I was really, really happy and really in my flow every day. I was thrilled and my life just became better. And when you're happier, I'll give everyone out there a tip. When you're happier, you will make more money always. And in the rare week or month that you don't, you are still happier than you were with less money, <laughs> with more money, right? Because you have freedom. Everyone who's listening to this, and myself included, all we want is freedom. Freedom is my paradise. So my financial freedom, my goal was to be and have enough money to do whatever I wanted to do with whoever I want to do it with on whatever day of the week I want to do it. So if it's Thursday, I don't want to do anything. I want to go to any country in the world and sit on any beach for however long, for whoever I can. I can do that now. But that was my goal. I wanted to create freedom. That's what everyone here wants is they want financial freedom. So the only way you're going to get it, though, is to start living in the purpose, start living in your light, be the person that you really, really were called to be. And it doesn't have to be immediately. Just do it in the tiny, tiny, tiny steps where if it once becomes a side hustle, scale it up, make it full time, pay off enough debts. Don't have any debts that are bad. Have a bunch of really great debts that make you more money than the debt costs you and do it in a smart way. And then, and then surround yourself with Pamela, people like yourself and my wife and people who are way, way smarter than I am. Be around a bunch of those people because you want to be the dumbest person in every room that you walk into. Mm -hmm. And at least I know I can say that I want to be around people who are truly wiser than I am and I can learn from them. And then I can help give them something, give them a piece of advice, give them some experience and some wisdom, or at least give them courage or motivation. And then we can all live better lives. Amen, Jeremy. I love that. I love that. And, and two, you know, you transitioned from trading then into coaching. Was there an aha yeah. moment there? How did that sort of transition for you? Yeah. The, that aha moment was I was connecting with so many people about trading. And the fun part is I would say, why, why are you trading? Like, what are you going to do with the money? Like, that was a question I would eventually ask everyone. It's like, okay, so you make a million dollars, then what? Mm. And they, they didn't know. Like, most, most people didn't know. They didn't know. And I'm not saying I'm smarter or better or anything than they are. I just had an answer to that particular question. Mm. And I've come to find that most human beings don't actually know what they would do with 100% unequivocal freedom of time and money. I'm still scared of it right now. I was talking to someone just like two weeks ago. Like, I'm, I don't know what I would do if I didn't work. I don't know. Like, what would I do if I didn't have any, nothing, like no work to do at all? And that scares a lot of people because our identity is tied to what we do, what we say, what we build, what we create. Like, if you didn't have any real estate to look at, you know, with me, like if charts just didn't turn on, like the stock market was closed for three weeks, 
I don't know what I would do. So I started really, really realizing that it was a, a bigger question. It was something that was much more powerful and something that was larger related to people's challenges. And it wasn't just the stock market. It wasn't just money. Mm. It was, what do I do next? What do I do after that? And over 11 years of practice, I just got really good at it. That's amazing. And you always had that purpose in mind. You go, I want to build hospitals. I want to do what Forrest Gump did, right? You, that that yeah. kid was still in the back, which is, I think, so amazing. And I mean, now is it, because when you say trading, like people have their misconceptions and stuff. If you want to debunk a few of those, those myths, the ones that you get like all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I, for your for your clientele, I think the best one would probably be that it's risky. That's an awesome one because the reason that people say the stock market is risky is because they don't know anything about it. So mm -hmm. sorry about your guys' bubbles, but if you're like, stock market is risky, if you've ever thought that, believed that, or said that, because you don't know what you're talking about. And it's okay, right? It's all right to not know, but it comes down to experience and to expertise. Because for me, in the stock market, the stock market is the least risky part of all investing because I can predefine exactly how much I'm going to lose on a trade. I can predefine when to get in, when to get out, and I can do it automatically, right? Mm -hmm. In real estate, you have contractors, surveyors, appraisers, banks, loans, officers, phone calls, deeds, trusts. You have commercial, residential, you have licenses, you got people, you got a phone call, you got tenants, termites, concrete, foundation, slabs, drywall, plumbing, water. You have everything that can go wrong. Stocks either goes up or down, mm. bro. And if you're lucky, sideways. And then anything else, you can you can just create parameters and you can just math. It's it's second grade math. I'm really, really good at second grade math. So I can just come up with, if I buy a thousand shares of any company on planet earth and it goes up a dollar, I make a thousand dollars. And if it goes down 70 cents, I lose 700. Bam, that's trading. That's it. And I don't, have any, I don't have to do anything else. I can do that from anywhere in the world with no phone calls, no clients, no ter no termites, toilets, or tenants. It's like, okay. And you can do that. You can scale it. So if it works on $1,000 or 1,000 shares, it works with $10,000 or 10,000 shares or 100,000. I can make $100,000 as fast as I can make $1,000. There's no difference in speed or efficiency. It's as quick. It's just simple math. Oh, and that, it's amazing to me. That's insane. And you mentioned, you know, you're into cryptocurrency and, and a bunch of other awesomeness. Now, Jeremy, you know, what, what are you up to in your business, you know, with these, all these different things that you're working on with the stocks and crypto and all this stuff? My big goal right now is to create more, more global brands. So we are expanding. We have a real life trading Australia. We have a real life trading UK that just launched a week ago. Uh, real life trading India is in the works. Uh, one day, Brazil, Germany, Denmark is right around the corner. Portugal, you know, different countries in Africa, we're going to just create different local chapters and brand branches where people can interact in their own time zone, their own market, their own, their own language. And that's one big one. The second big one is I'm working feverishly on getting all of my free content into the uh, federal prison systems of America mm -hmm. so that any of our inmates have the ability to be, to have recidivision. I'm not saying that right. The ability to, when they leave, to not go back in by mm -hmm. learning and properly studying and educating, just getting knowledge that's free on their tablets and iPads that's in front of them for those who want to do that. And working uh, very hard on that, working extremely hard on um, putting this information to the foster care portions of America so that our foster kids can also have the ability to take this education and again, learn it putting it into school systems, just really having this more open source because I create the content for free, right? I don't charge for it. 
So no one has that barrier of entry. If they want to learn it, bang, just go and it's free. It doesn't it costs zero dollars? Which is unreal. <laughs> I just want to pause there because did you guys just hear what Jeremy just said? Like he is giving you his mastery like for free through his content. Jeremy, could you give a little bit of overview of the different topics that you cover and that kind of thing? I mean, we're going to definitely have the link in the show notes so everyone can check this out. But I think you taking it to the next level is unreal. Like being able to go to these underprivileged areas who don't have these resources. I know for sure that they don't have them. And you're providing that as a resource to them, which I think is just beyond. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's one of our big goals, obviously. It's going to take time. It's not going to happen tomorrow. You know, to my listeners out there, if there's anyone out there who wants to help me, I mean, we have a real life trading military program as well where we focus on just servicemen and women um, who are either current or former. So we're, I'm trying to create branches and, and really very, very specialized groups of human beings that can connect and then can be a part of this. And the content that I provide is everything from long-term investing. So you don't have to do this every hour of every day, right? You could do this one hour a year. I want them to know that part of it or the people that get enamored by this, that love it, that become enthralled. I want them to know how to day trade. So we teach day trading. We teach everything from the one minute to the one month. And we do everything from teaching people how to rent out their stocks. Because I know you know that. Like you own a company, you own a house, you can rent out a house, you can rent out your stock, right? You can also buy stock insurance, just like you can buy house insurance. And you can come up with risk parameters where you can have extremely, extremely beautiful risk parameters so that you lose a little or make a lot. We teach everyone what they need to know on all aspects. So if it, my, my quote is, if it has a chart, it has a heart. So we teach people literally any style of trading that they want, including Forex. Forex is super sketchy because it's been, there's, there's a lot of reasons why, but it's the biggest market on earth. So that's one reason. It's the biggest market that no one knows anything about. I mean, Forex is like 15 times bigger than the US stock market. Oh, wow. I mean, it's literally, it's literally the currency market of the globe. So it's huge, like 400 trillion US dollars go in and out every day. So we create that market. We're the only company on planet Earth to do it for free. So yeah, don't listen to anyone else on Forex. Just go to uh, our website and we'll teach you for free. Like, why not? It's just easier that way. (laughs) Before I ask you for all your content, Jeremy, I always ask this question of, you know, based on everything that you've learned today, what would your older self tell your younger self? To be more loving to me, to realize that it's internal journey, just as it is an external journey. Most entrepreneurs, they are purpose-driven. So they want to pour into other human beings. Well, you have to learn how to be fully filled so that you can pour out. And I didn't do that for the longest time. I only did it from a place of a limited amount where I had an amount that I could give and then I'd be tired and I have to replenish. But now I live in a world where I'm currently always full and I'm always able to provide and to give and to, and to receive equally. So it sounds like a lot of mumbo jumbo for a lot of people out there, but long story short, you have to learn to love your internal self as well. It cannot be only an external battle. You can't only externally try to get money or fame or happiness. It's all right here. So make sure you're comfy with that part of yourself first and then you're unlimited. I adore you. I adore what you're doing in the world. You as a person, your businesses, your missions, everything. Seriously, you are remarkable. And now the world needs to know where to reach Jeremy Newsom. Where can we find you, my friend? <laughs> I, I do all the social media stuff. So you, 
best thing to do is probably just Google me. Uh, my first name is Jeremy with two R's. That's my dad's name was Jerry. So it stands for Jerry and me, Jeremy. Yeah, just Google because I'm, I do the whole social media thing. So Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you know, uh, all, all the good stuff. My email address is Jeremy at reallifetrading.com. And just email me. Find me. My, my stock trading website is reallifetrading.com. I have jeremynewson.com. Pretty much anybody someone wants to reach out, I do have a team that helps me connect with anyone who connects with me. So reach out and we will find a way to connect the dots so that we can chat in person if that's what that person seeks. You are amazing, Jeremy. The only dream that I've been chasing is my own. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day with Pamela herself in Boston, Massachusetts. Be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift and join us on the next episode. <laughs>